Welcome to Cultural Connections Lab. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Forbes. We are here to talk with educational professionals around the world to impact and influence the education system as we focus on cultural connections and the education of multilingual, diverse students. We're excited to have you join us today, and we sincerely hope that you enjoy the show. excited to be here. This is our very first time to do uh, the Cultural Connections Lab at the Oklahoma Association for mm-hmm. Bilingual Education. And the rationale behind that was, one, to spread more awareness about culture, the role it plays in what we do in our careers and our fields, how that impacts um, how we move forward, but also just to bring some awareness to the association, to OABE. Um, but again, I'm really glad to have you here, yeah. Dr. Paul Parkerson. And just introduce yourself, if you don't mind, yes, and tell yes, our listeners uh, who you thank are. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's great to be here. Um, I, uh, I heard about the conference and it piqued my interest because I'm, I live in Texas, I teach in Texas, work in Texas, but uh, the, just the knowledge I have of what Oklahoma has in terms of multiple languages, um, a bilingual educators conference just sounded really interesting, so it intrigued me. Uh, I think I mentioned to you, it piqued my interest. And so Uh um, I kind of threw my name in the hat to see, well, let's see if they'll, and so you guys said, yeah, why don't you come on out? So it's already, we've had several, uh, like a breakout session and then a panel, and it's been a lot of fun. Very good. Well, I'm really glad that you are here. I feel like, um, as I had just mentioned earlier in the panel discussion that we had, you know, like Socrates, like the more that you dig down into this, like the more you know, you, you the more you know nothing. Um, uh, but 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 through all of that, the one thing that I really have um, feel like like I most connect to, and no pun on the title of the podcast, but it really are like those cultural connections, the mm-hmm. way um, the way that culture is uh, celebrated. Um, is understood in what we do, um, yeah. not just for academics and just for language learning, but way after pre-K 12, way after the university. Um, so do you mind speaking just a little bit about how has culture impacted you? What role has culture played in maybe your own personal life? Absolutely. And then how that translates over into what we do for our students? Yeah, no, that that's a great question because um, it's so vast, mm-hmm. uh, frankly. But um, I, I grew up in another culture, and I think I, I grew up in Spain, uh, but I went to high school, finished high school and college in the United States, um, and they have a name for us there for a while. It was trendy. They called us third culture oh, kids, okay. and it's a whole thing. But regardless, um, I always felt like I was just sort of an alien, like I don't really fit here, I don't fear, fit here. And when I was in grad school, I started reading a little bit about uh, Gloria Saldua and her whole mm-hmm. Borderlands thing. Anyway, um, culture is huge. It is tied to our identity, and I think we all agree that that's just such an integral part of any relationship. So if you're talking about friendship, culture is a part of that. If you're talking about family, culture is a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then when we come into uh, talking about education, then of course, instructor, educator, student, um, the entire learning space um, is a social cultural event Mm -hmm. that so to not include that in any conversation would be 
nonsensical. Yeah. So I, I think that, and so as we, we talk about that, you know, the importance of being, uh, what is it, being culturally responsive, being culturally competent, um, that, that's sort of a given. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, uh, like teaching 101, education 101. And then when you start talking about multilingualism, bilingualism, uh, anything of that nature, the culture gets even more rich in the context of why that's important. Um, it's important just because, but then when you start adding language to it, when you start adding social cultural components uh, and connecting those, oh my goodness, it's just something. I think it's why I was so attracted to education uh, because of my background, because mm -hmm. it was a way to mesh all of this stuff. And frankly, I, I, I'm a people person, and so I love learning about other people. Mm -hmm. Well, why do you speak that language? You're, why do you eat with those? Yeah. And what is that? And, and traveling and having been exposed to the world is a huge place, you realize there's just so much to take in. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, I tell my students many times, we're curious about things together yeah. so let's learn together so i, I don't know if that answers no your totally 100 and like <laughs> and so i mean that right there was a big theme that really came up was the 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 teacher the professor like learning with the students at the same time from each other um one thing though that i'll i always like to share and be vulnerable because mm -hmm. if i'm not vulnerable then i don't feel like any of it's the listeners real. or anyone, or it's not real, I, right? I, I, I um, love it. Love but uh, I know that people often see me, and they're always surprised. Like, oh, you speak Spanish? Because they just assume <laughs> the, the the blonde head, spiky, yes. you know, spiky hair guy, probably the blue eyes, doesn't doesn't speak any Spanish. Um, I learned Spanish because of going to high school, because of Senora Atkins, because of an amazing teacher, and was mm -hmm. just fortunate to have the support, the family, um, the resources to acquire another language. Um, the vulnerable part is that I had made an assumption about you and from where you might be from in your background based on how you look. And so I, I'm glad that I did because every time that you, that happens, like the second that you do that, I remember don't, don't assume anything. Yes, right. Yes. And so then immediately you were explaining that, uh, your background, um, of living in Costa Rica and in Spain, mm -hmm. um, in España, and uh, your, the life that, that you've lived, I think it's important for us as educators to make sure that we're constantly asking ourselves, am I making assumptions? Yes. How does that impact in what I'm doing? Um, but do you want to do do speak to that? Does that, happen? Does that happen to you often? Like it happens I, to me, like they're like, oh, you I, speak Spanish? I'm glad that you're being vulnerable about it. My, my, the friends that know my story know me, and they tell me that I'm un coco al revés. I'm, oh. You know, white outside, <laughs> brown inside, and whatever that means. But the point is, uh, I always have had that happen. That's part of my story. And so I remember once I had a student, and he, and he said, yeah, uh, after I met you, um, you know, Mr. Parkerson, I went home. Le dije a mi mamá, mamá, mi maestro es un bolillo, pero habla español. And I was like, what's a bolillo? And so I had to learn what that was because I never even heard of it. Turns out it's white bread. Anyway, um, it, that's just part of my my um, my story. And so I, it's just, but I think you're so right. That vulnerability of not... Um, assuming that because somebody looks a certain way, speaks a certain way, moves a certain way, 
the the outer trappings um, we of course it's how we use uh, how we navigate life mm -hmm. you know we have to make some assumptions to start but I think it's that intentionality of being willing to go oh it's not at all what I thought yeah um, and then especially in those learning spaces with our students learning that because mm -hmm. I remember um, uh, I had a student in a class once that we, I, th I believe it was a fourth grade class and a big percentage of my students were from Mexico and it took several months for us to get to a point where he finally we were talking about pupusas and uh -huh. he said well oh, I know what a pupusa you know what a pupusa is and it turned out he was from Honduras yeah and not from Mexico I think. but he wanted to say and so we we I think sometimes feel compelled to um, you know, not volunteer too much, but I think that it's important. I think a good teacher is separated from a great teacher in many ways by willing, that willingness to be vulnerable, I think. I think that that's a key element there. It, uh, it's uncomfortable. It is. But the more that you practice it, it becomes like addicting to well, constantly and, want to like well like you said you you feel like it's wrong. not real mm -hmm. if you're not because I think then that's you're what like, it is mm -hmm. uh -huh. I think you're absolutely correct yeah yeah exactly because I mean uh, like I said a, a lot of people whether it be linguistically because of my background from where I might be mm -hmm. etc like they also have their own stereotypes or assumptions oh, yeah. and things like that um but I think it's just a good a good place for us to kind of stop Absolutely. and then reflect upon all of the assets that you're bringing that had I not been able to have this conversation with you, have a new friend uh, in you, um, but to be able to know that you bring so much more to this conversation than what I had assumed. And so if we have that same practice with, as I always call them, the best professors that mm -hmm. we have are our students. Um, and we have that open communication. I think that really helps build cultural proficiency, which yes. is the goal, right? Absolutely. And I, and I think that cultural proficiency, if there's one thing I could say that maybe I've learned up through this journey, is that the only thing that's consistent about all these multilingual and multicultural learners that I've had the privilege of meeting is that there's nothing consistent about it. Mm -hmm. The uh, diversity yes. is just off the charts. And just when you feel like you're getting comfortable enough to maybe make some assumptions, boom, it gets blown out. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, Isn't that fun? Uh, it makes it a lot more interesting. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, it, it, it keeps my interest. You know, it's, it's what uh, helps me stay the course. <laughs> uh, all of this right here. So I want, I want to make sure I get the, uh, the, the name correct. You're about to present a session here mm -hmm. at the conference. Um, and your session is titled Using Bilingual Anticipatory Guides in Multilingual Learning Spaces. Correct. Um, I, uh, I'm excited for the participants here at the conference to go to that. So do you want to share a little bit about sure. like a little preview what that's going to be about? Absolutely. And uh, what role does culture play in that even? Um, it's, it's interesting because I think um, culture is, is part of it for sure, but this is actually geared more towards the classroom teacher. Um, because it's something that I've been very interested in and I've sort of researched in the classroom for over a decade, just trying different permutations, trying it, you know, using the students become your guinea pigs yeah. and, and you just try different things. And then seeing what sort of works 
what doesn't work, what works better. And of course, we all know that you know there's there's so many moving parts and variables. What works with one group of students may not work with another group. Mm -hmm. But regardless, the idea is to focus on the culture and specifically the language and the linguistic repertoire that the students have to help leverage reading comprehension. Okay. And so uh, the strategy that I use is, um, and I'm not a huge fan of uh, you know standing and talking. Uh, I prefer that we do something. So it's yeah. focused on here's 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 an example of some materials, and we do it together, mm -hmm. so that the people that are in the in the breakout session get a chance to see how it works yay or nay, I may want to use this in my classroom, and then have something they can take back and try out in their learning space. Okay, I like that so much. Um, my, um, another shout out to my mother. I did this last time too. I don't, I don't mean to intentionally, but she does not work in education. Her only um, background in education is going to school and me. Um, but whenever she listens to the podcast, she always talks about how this can branch off into um, any other place, any other organization, a company, et cetera. Um, but whenever you talk about specifically for, for teachers, um, for, for principals, for mm -hmm. professional development, or for leaders that are working in a plasma center, for example, that are still working with people from a vast variety of backgrounds, et cetera, what recommendations do you have for them to make their faculty meeting or that meeting after school that really could have been an email, actually? Like, how do you make that more engaging in the same way that you're about to present a session, because I feel like oftentimes, and maybe this isn't your experience, but you go to the meeting after school, and like sometimes the people are falling asleep. Oh yes. Or yes. The, but, and oh, so no. I always think about like a sheltered instruction activity. Like use that activity to get the point across in your faculty meetings. Now you're showing the pedagogical yes. practice, but still getting the point across. Well, the the, the interesting thing is right now I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have one foot in an actual elementary school classrooms setting with, with elementary kids, and I'm also adjunct teaching, so I have the opportunity to work with pre-service teachers. Nice. So I get that whole continuum. Yeah. But if there's one thing that, like you said, I noticed that's consistent, what do the students want at an elementary, um, in an elementary context? They want something that's engaging, motivating, fun. That, that piques their interest, that, that, that is, it, oh, wow, let's, what are we doing? And then going on into the university, these pre-service teachers, these students that are going to become teachers, what do they want? They don't want me to talk about theory and, well, in a classroom, let me show you a video. They want to do something mm -hmm. that they would probably be doing in a classroom. Right. And so I think that um, so much of education is, I mean, who was it, Vygotsky, that did so much research with um, mothers and, and children. I think that that didactic side of education is simply that, doing things, mm -hmm. doing something like, okay, let's learn how to make pancakes. How do you mix the stuff to make the batter? Not just I'm going to tell you about it, but let's do it and then make the pancakes and then eat the pancakes. Yeah. So I think that's, that ties back to being real and being vulnerable. It, it needs to be pragmatic. It needs to be something substantive, you know, not just this pie-in-the-sky theory that's uh, been researched and proven and blah, 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 but actually, let's do it. We actually do it. Yes, Like yes. real life. Agreed, yes. <laughs> Applicable. Well, what's the, I'm, I'm curious, if, if anything, what's the biggest takeaway that you're seeing from the elementary school setting all the way to the adults? Things like connections that you're making automatically, like, Oh, okay, wow. 
Because education has been changing and absolutely. evolving. Probably the biggest one is that um, we don't practice what we preach. Ooh. Because we sit there and tell our pre-service teachers, now, the least effective mode of education is for one person to speak while others sit and listen. Sage on the stage. While you are speaking to them sitting. And that, that just screams irony. Like, mm. why, then why are we doing that? We should be doing something different. This classroom shouldn't be tables with students taking notes while I talk and my PowerPoint slides. It should be a lab. Yeah. It should be like a, yes. a cooking show. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it should be like a classroom. And okay, guys, so, yeah. I, so I don't know. I have a lot of, uh, I, I'm still, my wife tells me I'm still in the, uh, the honeymoon stage. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a, a lot of ideas of, of thing, with the way I think things could change. So, yeah. Do, uh, do the, the pre-service teachers that you currently are working with right now, um, are they coming from multicultural, multilinguistic backgrounds themselves? And what's that um, been like for your own learning? Um, they are. And what's very interesting is many of them want to be bilingual teachers. Some of them started out wanting to be bilingual teachers, but then when confronted with the testing requirements in the state of Texas become more, oh, I think I'll be an ESL teacher. Mm. Um, and then others have no interest in or, or are not bilingual. So there's this whole gamut of, of, of students that want to be teachers. Um, but yes, they come from very diverse backgrounds, multicultural settings. But the thing that they all have in common, is, and, and it's what literally like charges my batteries as a as a teacher because I'm like why do you want to be teachers and and they're all like well we're we, for the money clearly no, clearly in the fame um, and the fortune yeah, exactly. right, all of that no but but <laughs> they they all tell me the same thing you know I want to help kids mm -hmm. I want to change the world I want to and it sounds so idealistic and so Pollyanna but it I mean it just it makes me want to do keep doing what I'm doing yeah you know so yeah. you said something that made me consider um, something that I, I really hadn't considered before, that they didn't want to necessarily teach a certain content area or a certain grade because it might be tested. So then therefore I'll do this instead, which is so interesting whenever you consider, like I had mentioned before, whenever we were on the panel that most, so in Texas you have Telpass, here we have WIDA, mm -hmm. um, but you probably have the Telpass standards and you would have your yeah, academic standards. Yeah, the ELFs, exactly. Uh -huh. um, but then the content area teacher very well may not have that. So just in your comment alone, it just goes to show like we, we, we categorize these in these silos so much like, okay, so Absolutely. you're the tested and then you're the, the language development teacher. And so the professional development is gonna be this for you to meet that goal and this for you, but never the two shall meet yeah. normally. Exactly, and and um, I mean, if at the risk of sounding I, I don't know what, um, we use the term desegregating, we use the term decolonizing, we use the term deconstructing, um, and yet why is it that we have to really immerse ourselves in those practices mm -hmm. in education? It's because education has become so compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And it's like somebody said in the panel, uh, your PD becomes, um, oh no, there's just another thing I yeah. gotta do as a teacher. And I mean, trust me, any generalist, <laughs> the list of things they have to do, you know, I, I, wow. I mean, 
you know, bilingual teacher, yes, tack on more. Um, and and, and um, there are so many things that you have to do. But at the same time, I think that's what I love about being able to work with these pre-service teachers is have that conversation of why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. Because if you really aren't sure, now's the time to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about the money or the fame or the whatever. It's about something that really means something to you at your core. Yeah. And I think that is the, the, the energy that drives that. Otherwise, I think you, you, you'll fall short. I think it's as simple as like, how do, like, what does it make you feel? Yeah. I mean, truly, like whenever you get up in the morning and are you so excited that you can't wait to go do this? That's right. Knowing there's going to be struggle. I mean, knowing some yeah. of the obvious. Absolutely. But do I get up every day with that joy and that excitement? Yeah. Um, and maybe not every day, but most of those days should no, feel that uh, way. And if they don't. Enough to keep you employed, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Right. Definitely. <laughs> um, and it's so funny that you, how, how that's just the conversation about, well, these are testing groups. I mean, like. Everyone's a reading teacher, everyone's an ELD teacher, um, everyone's a tested whatever because it all connects. And so That's right. I feel like the more that we continue to categorize and separate all of this as opposed to really thinking about this holistically and how this yeah. is really a benefit for all students and that there was someone like me who was never supposed to be bilingual or um, multicultural yeah. or any of that. It's because of the exposure that I had. Yeah. So if we expose those conversations to everyone and start to change that dialogue, our perspectives um, from deficit to very asset-based, enhancing the celebration of the cultures represented. Absolutely, I think that that speaks to, uh, what is it, being more of a global citizen. Like we, yeah. everybody talks about that. Um, I think that's what that means. It's, yeah. it's awareness of this giant world we live in and, and how we can, integrate that and well, not be so yeah and yeah. in the care though they're like what i'm doing over here is is going inadvertently going to impact the other side of the globe i mean because we are all on this planet truly Absolutely. together and you can bring that that focus into a school setting a district a community at large um and really start to, yeah. to impact how you're again serving others I think that's, that's right a really important role that's what right. what role do leaders play in this and how we have, we, have a, we have a lot of leaders that um, are really good at this and like take time to, to help raise awareness um, and the understanding of the superpower of multilingualism and what that really does mean cognitive, cognitively for your brain. Um, but then we have other leaders who don't necessarily understand or, or know or maybe have that exposure because there might be just a few of those students. And so sure. I'm gonna focus on the majority and give some support for the other students. How do we change that conversation and what role do leaders play in that and can't or could play in that? I, I mean, I, th I come, it might be a loaded question too. I don't know. <laughs> I think it is, but I mean, I think you, you I think it was you that said in during the panel discussion, uh, the idea of who's here versus who's not here. Mm. Who are we seeing versus who are that. we not seeing? And I think that's an important part of the conversation simply from the, the what is the purpose behind mm -hmm. it? Uh, but I come from the school of thought. I believe that leaders 
uh, have more responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, uh, what is the saying in all the movies with the, with the superheroes, you know, use your superpowers for good, not for evil. Right. Um, and with great responsibility or, or with great, great whatever comes great responsibility. Comes great responsibility. Yeah. And that notion of um, being responsible uh, with whatever it is, decision making, um, looking, uh, having vision, envisioning, uh, but also being intentional. But I think that um, the leaders I admire the most are the ones that listen more than they speak. And I say that as a person that loves to talk. So, you know, I was always told, Dios te dio dos oídos y una boca. So <laughs> right. you should, you know, talk Only two ears as one much mouth. as you listen, you know. <laughs> so, you know, um, but I think that that's, that's the, um, you know, a sign of a good leader is listening. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important for that. Um, I am a constant work in progress. There are times whenever I feel like, maybe I've done better today than I had expected. Mm -hmm. And then there were days when I think, golly, you didn't even get close <laughs> to the mark, Kelly. Um, or I find myself back and forth on this continuum of cultural proficiency where yeah. I feel like it's culturally proficient, but because of my lack of understanding or awareness, I was kind of destructive in a moment and I didn't even intend to or mean yeah. to. So um, I always encourage um, other, other professionals with whom I work that it's good to have grace and compassion Absolutely. for ourselves. Um, but at the same time, though, if you are a leader, to hold yourself to that higher level of mm -hmm. responsibility to make sure that you're not doing anything that would be considered destructive, whether that be a policy, whether that be um, even just among the teachers, not even among necessarily just the students that you yeah. have, but even teachers that you have. And so in some trainings that I've been able to go to and work with teachers, we were in the group setting and it was fun that they found out two different times and two different locations that another teacher was bilingual and no one knew it. Oh, wow. It had never even been discussed. Mm. Um, and I think it's because it probably wasn't Spanish was the other language, uh -huh. which again was a reflection for me because being bilingual in those two languages, I often revert back yes. to comparisons in those two. That's what I know, mm -hmm. but I try to make other you know, connections across that as well. Sure. Do you, do you have any experiences? Oh, absolutely. Like that I, you want to share? Think, I, I, think, like we, yeah. <laughs> I think those, those blind spots exist mm. for everybody. I mean, I think that's part of, you might say that's part of our, our, our route should be part of our routine to uh, be reflexive and think about what is it that I'm not seeing? What is it that I'm ignoring? Because I think that's the worst um, when you find that you've made a mistake because you didn't know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, oh, why yeah. did you not know? Well, you didn't ask. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that happen to me in the classroom, you know, like my student that was from a different Spanish speaking country. If I had probed a little further sooner, I would have known that. Um, and, you know, you can rationalize that and say, well, he was very uh, quiet about it, I blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, um, we should always be, I should always be uh, intentional in that sense of always thinking about that. Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm leaving out? What is it that I'm maybe not seeing? Um, and so I think that's why um, that, that practice of being reflexive is so important. I think that we, we all agree, I think educators all agree that, that that's an important part of the practice. You know, what, how did it go today? What, what, you know, and think about that. Okay, he said that. She looked this way. 
we said this, we did this. How did that go? And thinking and taking the time. And a lot of times it's boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. And you have to take that time to do that. Um, and then based on what you, you know, the feedback you give yourself, um, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. What do um, I do now? What, yeah. And now But what? the having grace for yourself, yes. Having also, I think, grace for others, but yes. And because I think it, when you fall into that trap of not doing, not being graceful with yourself, you can you can crash and burn, and then kind of want to give up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, I've, I've had that day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think we all have <laughs> multiple times. But yeah, I, and but I think that's also part of the model of pedagogy that is effective. That the teacher and the learner. Uh, I think Freire is the one that said it, you know, it being dialogic in that sense of the learner is also the teacher and the teacher is also the learner. There's not, there's a constant dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I made a mistake. See, I, you made a mistake. We, we, we all make mistakes. Yes. That's how we learn. Um, so, yeah. Uh, makes me think about the uh, TED talk from uh, Rita Pearson. Oh yes. Uh -huh. that, when the, have you ever said you're sorry to a kid before? <laughs> exactly. They like look at you like they just can't even believe the that's fact right. That you were that's right. That's right. Well, and I mean, let's be honest. When you become, when you first, you've overcome so many obstacles to become a first year teacher. That first year in the classroom, you've got the power, man. You've got, you know, you <laughs> you you have some authority, some modicum of authority, and and yeah, it's it's hard to relinquish that and go, whoa. But that's, ahí está la gracia. Uh, yes, uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly where that grace is. Um, I, I talk a lot about individual student understanding and how important that is mm -hmm. as much as we can to know our students. I know that looks yes. very differently for different teachers. Absolutely. For different reasons based on what they're teaching, classroom um, sizes, et cetera. But I think, though, the more that we, we can try to do that, mm -hmm. and, of course, individual student understanding, that can be incorporated in your language arts class, and your I mean, in any yes. classroom that you're doing that connects to a standard. So it's not like you have to pause, take time out, because we're already worried about time already. Um, but really being able to have some sort of a space where we do get to know the students. Mm -hmm. Because now that I get to know you more, it's going to, like, now that I'm just getting to know you just right now in these short minutes that we've been together, if you were my student and I were the teacher, I know that tomorrow I could have a better lesson for Absolutely. you. Connecting back to Spain and to Costa Rica yeah. and also to the language Spanish that you also speak. Yes. And maybe connect that to a historical setting that will make this um, U.S. history class a little bit easier for you to understand. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that that foundation, I mean, it, it's all relational. And, you know, the, the, the longer time passes, relationships grow, mm -hmm. but they have to be invested in. And they're based on what you learn and what you, you know, the exchange, yeah. the, the interconnectedness, if you will. So, yeah, I think that um, I like to say after spending a year with a student, hopefully that student has my fingerprints all over him. Yes. And vice versa. Yeah. Because right. you, as a teacher, you're going to walk on and you know there's that student that stands out in your mind from X amount of years ago, mm -hmm. and you use that to guide your practice. Because you yourself are changing. You yourself Absolutely. should be evolving through Absolutely. this. Absolutely. We Man. don't want to fossilize. Nope. No. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Um, 
I really appreciate you being here at the conference. I appreciate that you're going to uh, share some awesome information that uh, I, really, I really can't wait for Oklahomans to learn more from you. So that you continue <laughs> to come back. Um, and I hope that we can go yeah, and visit cross you. No, for real, for real. I think, it's, I, yeah. I think it's really, there's a lot of power in that. And so I appreciate you. But I would like to give you um, just the last word of anything that you maybe have learned or a takeaway or, or something that is just really important to you. Um, that you would like to share with any listener out there who most likely is in the field of education, but also um, could be in any field, but knowing that culture is playing a role in what they do every day, yeah. and most importantly, within themselves overall. Yeah. But is there anything just from your experiences I, you would like to share? You know, I'm, I'm sort of gushing uh, already, but coming to a, a new place with new people that I've never met before, that I don't know, but that have like minds to me um, in that culture is important. Um, respect and, 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 and the importance of uh, maintaining humanity in education mm. is so evident and it just, it warms my, it, it, gives, my, it gives me faith that I believe in education. Mm -hmm. I believe in, in working together. And so it's no surprise that here I am, you know, with bunch of complete strangers and I love it. I feel part of it and I feel like we're on the same page and, it, and it's, in, it's encouraging me. I'm going to go back uh, to my own habitus and I'm going to be like, man, that felt really good. This so, is where we, we fill our cups up again. Yes, here. yes. I had a principal, uh, my first principal, and I remember he said, you know, teachers start out with a, with a basket full of apples. <laughs> and you're handing out, you know, and I'm, I remember a first year teacher, I was kind of rolling my eyes like, oh gosh, the apple analogy, really? Come on. <laughs> but he got to this point in the conversation where he said, one day the teacher realizes the basket is empty. And that's a dangerous place. He said, you have to find a way to fill that basket up again. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, Parkerson, different teachers fill their baskets in different ways, but you got to find a way to fill it. And I remember kind of dismissing it at the time, going, oh, th thank you. But as I've thought about it over the years, oh, my gosh, a teacher with no apples in their basket is a liability. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that to say coming here has filled my basket up again I so I can go back and give out some more apples. I think it's a great thing in education, but I think specifically there's just a special something uh, about um, multicultural, multilingual Absolutely. education and yes. the educators that come together. Yeah. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to, to connect and find unity um, across the entire globe. And so yeah. uh, I encourage everyone to go fill your baskets doing that. It would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, Dr. Paul Parkerson, thank you so much thank you. for being here. Uh, it was you. really nice to have you as a guest on Cultural Connections Lab. Thanks for coming to the conference too. Andy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Gracias por todo. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. Adios.